The transfer portal continues to roll on for BYU as well as other programs. Who are BYU getting out of the portal? Who are some of the prospects that have been lost in terms of commitments out of the portal? We're talking about all that as well as catching up on the weekend that was in BYU sports. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to ahead on today's show, but a quick reminder, we're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the motto is your team every day, and a big thank you once again for checking us out wherever you're tuning in from, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts out there. Thank you for the support. All right. Diving right in on today's show on Friday. Some of you probably saw it if you've not seen it by now. BYU picked up a running back in the transfer portal by the name of Dion Smith, University of Colorado product, coming to BYU by way of the Buffaloes, one of the many, many members of the Colorado football program who were either, I guess, in, in a way, told to leave, decided to leave, no matter what the circumstance was. There's been a mass roster turnover in Boulder, and Deion Smith was part of that group. Now, on uh, some details on this young man, uh, not, not necessarily the biggest running back out there. Uh, listed at five foot 11, uh, I've seen anywhere between 180 and 200 pounds, kind of depending on which uh, roster you happen to look at. But the thing about this is, I think the pickup for BYU, for Deion Smith in particular, is that BYU understands that they cannot have enough quality depth at every position. That goes for running back. You look at the running back position for BYU, and many of you might have thought, and I would have probably agreed with you, that BYU is pretty well set. Aiden Robbins, Hinkley Ropati, on down the list. Uh, you also add guys like Nukulova Halu, uh, LJ Martin coming into the program, can't forget about Miles Davis, etc. It would have thought, okay, this has got a running back contingent that's got a pretty good nucleus of players, and BYU should be set there. Well, not such is the case. It According to BYU, as they pick up Deion Smith in the transfer portal, comes into BYU as a former three-star prospect out of uh, the Houston area. I played at Second Baptist High School down there. Pretty uh, accomplished kid, all things considered. Was the leading rusher for uh, BYU, or not for BYU, for Colorado last year with 393 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I thought the one thing that I, I noticed as I watched some of his highlights is this is a young man, it seemed like as the season went on last year, despite being on an absolutely awful Colorado team, he seemed to get better as the year went on. Obviously, his best game during the season came against fellow uh, Pac-12 bottom dweller Arizona State. He had 111 yards as well as one touchdown in that game. But this is a young man who was lost for the entirety of the 2021 season due to a knee injury, and it felt like it took him some time to kind of get his quote-unquote legs back underneath him during last season. But as the season went on, as I mentioned, I I saw some flashes from him. Is he going to come in and immediately challenge for the starting job at BYU? I don't think so, but that doesn't mean that he can't come in and have a role on this BYU roster. The one thing I will remind you guys of, and I talked about this last offseason as well, is that BYU's running back contingent has notoriously, I mean this in a bad way, I know notorious has a negative connotation, but they have notoriously been dealing with all kinds of injuries uh, with the most of the guys who've been around that program for quite some time. I'm thinking Miles Davis, who has uh, suffered multiple uh, broken bones in his feet. Uh, Hinkley Ropati has had two different knee injuries, as he told us on this podcast. You also have guys like 
Nukuluve, Halu, and LJ Martin. They may not have injury concerns, but they're just young. They have not played college football quite yet. So I don't see the necessarily the, uh, the uproar about not needing a running back for BYU, but at the same time, I think it's a pretty savvy move here done by the BYU staff to go and bolster a position group that obviously has had uh, its concerns in the past and maybe making a move here to hopefully uh, just shore up some of that. So uh, I really like the pickup, honestly. I think he's a nice compliment on paper for some of the other running backs on BYU's roster. He's got a, a nice kick to him. He's not necessarily a burner. He's not one of those guys who's going to take off and absolutely just ra- off to the races, but he's got a speed element to his game. Speaking of Deion Smith, that I have not seen from other BYU running backs, at least on paper, on the roster currently. So pretty savvy pickup for BYU and answers, I guess, a, a need that they felt like they had internally in the program, but does not answer some of the other questions involved with BYU and some of their other needs out there in the transfer portal, most notably about wide receiver. Now, we're going to talk about some of the other options for BYU in terms of what they're looking for in the transfer portal as well as what they need to potentially target in terms of as the transfer portal kind of dwindles with its numbers and everything. And, and Dwindles probably sounds like there's not very many guys left. There's still a lot of guys in the portal. We're talking about guys who can come in and contribute to a Power 5 program, which is what BYU BYU is. That is the big question. How many of those guys are still out there that BYU is not vetted slashed, uh, not interviewed, but uh, approached, recruited? You guys know what I'm saying. So we'll talk about all those. And I have some names I'll I'll continue to pass along. We have had a couple of the wide receivers, actually a number of the wide receivers BYU has offered so far in the portal, have committed elsewhere. Also a corner that BYU was hoping to land that was on a visit to BYU this past week announced that he is headed to Baylor. Of course, the Bears seem to be scooping up all kinds of guys with connections to the state of Utah of late. We'll talk about all that as today's show progresses right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Of course, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the sugar and calories that come with your typical treats out there, you got to try a Built Bar, my friends. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. I am, I'm ser- I'm serious about this. They're absolutely phenomenal. The best part is they're healthy and they taste amazing. They're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And the best part is they got a number of different flavors out there. They're always launching new ones. They actually just launched a new one yesterday in honor of Mother's Day. Red velvet flavor. If you want to get to Built.com, you can place the order now and get those shipped to your home, but if you need your Built Bars right now, you need that fix right away, stop by your local uh, Smith's Harmon, excuse me, Smith's Harmon's, uh, you also have them at Costco, uh, Sam's Club, essentially any and all of our grocers here along the Wasatch Front, even beyond that, seem to have Built Bars in stock at this time. So stop by today, pick them up. There's four bar packs available at Smith's, most notably, as well as 13 bar packs that I have seen both at Sam's Club as well as Costco if you want to get more of a bulk pack. But if there are certain flavors you are looking for, you have a certain... Uh, uh, flavor that you prefer, go to built.com, place the order there, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, for 15% off your order. And the best part is you can enjoy the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Appreciate you guys being every dayers with us here on the podcast. On tomorrow's show, to be the last one that I, I do before I actually am out on vacation for the rest of the week. But never fear. We got you covered the rest of the week. Had some great interviews with some of our fellow Big 12 hosts that we'll be playing for you guys as the week plays out this week. But wanted to give you guys a heads up that tomorrow will be the only one the rest of the week that will have a quote-unquote live reaction to whatever's going on in BYU sports. So just give a little bit of heads up on that. But nonetheless, 
guests that we will have you covered. Don't worry. You will still have your daily fix of all things BYU right here on your only daily podcast, the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, uh, diving right back in on today's show. Let's talk about what's going on in the transfer portal beyond running back. Because BYU, the good news is, obviously, when you get a guy like Deion Smith, that's positive for BYU. But they still need to find options out there in the transfer portal. And some of them are drying up. Uh, opportunities for a guy like A.J. Carter or Johnny Carter. BYU had him on a visit this past week. There was some thought that they may have a chance to land him. Well, he decided shortly after his visit to BYU, he's committed to the Baylor Bears. Now, Carter is a native of the state of Texas, so I guess not all that surprising that he would decide maybe to go closer to home to play for Baylor, but nonetheless, another blow for BYU's defensive backfield, which I still believe is in need of at least one corner, if not two cornerbacks, as well as a safety to really kind of bolster those units. Now, I never fear. I know that uh, Gennaro Guilford and the rest of the BYU coaching staff are doing their work in the transfer portal. Just uh, rest assured, they're scouring any and all options. And the funny thing about this is it feels like in some ways with regards to the transfer portal, and I, I get questions lobbied at me all the time saying, Jake, why is BYU not looking at this position? Why are they not doing this? What I can tell you is that BYU staff, the funny thing about this is they have a, essentially a, a, a following in a way, speaking of BYU's recruiters. When BYU offers a young man, whether it's in the transfer portal, the high school ranks, or the junior college ranks, there are programs that will immediately, almost within minutes of BYU sending out an offer, if, it, if word gets out there of it, if that makes sense, if it goes out on social media, etc., you will see a, like a reflexive action by certain programs, some of them in the Pac-12, etc., who will immediately immediately offer that young man. Because they know if BYU is signing off on this kid, that means they can, they feel like they can uh, fit in with the culture at BYU, including the honor code. That means their academics, according to what BYU understands, are in order. They know that BYU doesn't just go recruit anybody. And if, if BYU is on a kid, there's a lot of programs that say, okay, if BYU can fit this kid in, why can't we not fit him in? So it's kind of one of those funny things. So understand that there you will not see all the offers, all of the recruiting that's going on in the transfer portal, and even beyond that, that's ongoing. You will not see all of it play out on social media. There are young men who are more adept at using social media, obviously, to tweet out their offers, to generate interest, that type of stuff, but they obviously... Uh, there are other guys who are not necessarily all about uh, making the, the show all about them. They kind of kind of want to just do their work in secret. And BYU, uh, there are times BYU's coaches in the past have told recruits, hey, keep this off social media. We we don't want a word to get out about you. We love you, but we, we understand. And I know that it, it seems like a, a foolhardy thing because these are young men who obviously want the clout on social media, et cetera. But it happens. It, trust me. It has happened. I, I, I If I were to go back through and look at some of the different recruits, I could tell you some of the stories about that, but there's no time for that. So let's talk about what's going on, obviously, for BYU as they try and find more options out there in the transfer portal. Number one thing is they're continuing to look at wide receivers because uh, a number of these wide receivers, and I'm actually going to have a tip of the cap to Casey Lundquist over at uh, Cougar Sports uh, Cougs Daily, excuse me, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. He did a really good rundown of about 10 to 12 guys BYU's wide receiving uh wide receiving core was looking at potentially as portal options. Number one was Darius Lasseter, who they did land via the transfer portal. But as you go down this list, this was put out a couple of weeks ago. It was right after BYU, the whole deal with uh, Cody Epps went down. They've kind of issued a flurry of offers out there. The vast majority of these guys on this list have committed elsewhere than BYU. Elijah Smoot was number two on this list. Uh, he is planning on a visit according to what Cougs Daily reported. He is not committed anywhere yet, but we have not heard if he has made that visit quite yet. He had 508 receiving 
receiving yards last year for UT Martin at the FCS level. He is still on the board for BYU, quote-unquote, as they look at wide receiver. Keelan Marion from UConn was a guy I really thought BYU uh, would have really liked to have landed. He landed at East Carolina University, based on what I read. Javon Antonio, I think he was kind of the darling for most BYU fans out there in terms of transfer portal guys. Six foot four, 220-pound, big-bodied receiver. Uh, he was transferred from Northwestern State. He landed at Colorado just yesterday, speaking of Sunday, so... Uh, BYU misses out there. Also, Jair Shorter from North Texas, a guy that BYU would have been interested in. He had over 1,300 receiving yards in his career at North Texas. Uh, he is obviously looking at all kinds of opportunities there. He is one that, if I'm not mistaken, has not necessarily announced where he's signing yet, but it sounds like Auburn is in the driver's seat for a guy like Jair Shorter. Jade Walker from Grand, uh, Grand Valley State already committed to Texas A&M. EJ Horton uh, is a guy that BYU uh, missed out on because he is committed elsewhere. Chance Morrow is a Six foot six freshman who has not played in college football, but is a guy at BYU is very intent on potentially luring. He was on an official visit to Buffalo this past weekend. Can BYU get him out to Provo at some point? We'll find out. It'd be interesting. So, uh, if you're going down the list here, Chase Soul from Colorado, who BYU had on a visit this past weekend, he announced he's going to East Carolina. And then Montana Lamonius Craig, kind of the first guy BYU offered, according to social media, if you look back at the history, he is still technically on the board, but it sounds like Auburn's also very much in on him. So, of those 10 players on this list, uh, is that four of them at the very most are available right now? And really only, uh, I guess, one of them, BYU got a commitment from Chance Morrow. We'll see. And then the two others seem to be leading elsewhere. So BYU's still doing work, but there is just remember, there are 133 other uh, college football programs at the FBS level who are looking for all kinds of opportunities uh, to bring guys in. And BYU faces some pretty stiff competition, my friends. So keep an eye on that. Uh, two other names that uh, Casey did list at this, saying that they kept their recruitments relatively quiet, include Ole Miss transfer Brandon Buckhalter, as well as TCU uh, transfer Blair Conright. Conright has committed to North Texas, but Buckhalter has not announced where he's going yet. So there are names out there for BYU in terms of finding guys to come into this program, but they've got to continue to scour because, like I said, there's a stiff competition out there. The transfer portal cycle, this has been really, really crazy to track. And uh, I know I'm listing a lot of names out there, and you guys are probably having your head spin, but it's kind of how things are going because I, I know the coaches down at BYU, their heads are spinning as well as they try and secure any and all uh, guys that they can. Because, as I mentioned, going back to the conversation we had about Deion Smith, I would have thought going into the transfer portal cycle that running back was relatively set, but BYU felt like in Internally, they needed to shore that position up, and that's why they went and got a guy like Dion Smith. Could there be a name or two that pops up between now and tomorrow's podcast that suddenly BYU's right back in the mix for? Absolutely. But there will be other guys BYU's in the mix for that will never see the light of day. They just didn't put it on social media, and that's just how they kind of prefer to operate. So it's a very, very kind of cloak-and-dagger uh, situation that BYU's operating in with regards to this transfer portal stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of exciting to track. Now, other names in terms of just overall transfer portal that BYU I, I've been told are in on. Uh, Harrison Taggart seems to be the big name out there. The Corner Canyon product transferring from the University of Oregon. Uh, everything that I continue to hear about a guy like Taggart is that BYU is very much in the mix for him. It sounds like if he decides to come home and play in the state of Utah, I'd essentially put money that if he plays in Utah, and within the borders of the, of the state of Utah, BYU is where he will land. Obviously, he's got other options out there, but I really think that BYU has got a good plan of how they would use him in this defense. This is 
a kid who's a kind of a unicorn in a way as a player. He plays linebacker, but he was one of the fastest guys in terms of the 100-meter dash his senior year at Corner Canyon High School. Never really put on the, the weight that Oregon maybe wanted him to put on to play true linebacker in their system. But I am of the opinion that Jay Hill can find a role for this young man if he decides to come to BYU. And everything still points to him having an opportunity to potentially be a BYU Cougar. But it, I've continued to kind of wonder, okay, when are you going to commit? So the longer this strings out, it feels like with Taggart, I'd get a little more wary of it. But everything I continue to hear is that there are positive signs for a guy like Taggart and his relationship with BYU. Now, other guys to keep an eye on. I already mentioned uh, Chance Morrow, six foot six wide receiver. Uh, he, BYU probably is his best offer. Uh, he's got offers from Charlotte. He, as we mentioned, he visited Buffalo, Rhode Island, other small schools. So why wouldn't he pick BYU? Only time will tell, but we'll find out uh, as that plays out. And then the final name I wanted to pass along here on today's show in terms of transfer portal options is that it's not necessarily a name. It's that BYU, the kicking position has been, I've said this before on the podcast, but some of you may be checking us out for the first time or haven't checked in in a hot minute. The kicking game at BYU continues to be a concern. What I understand is that BYU has essentially kicked all tires on all the kickers in the transfer portal looking at all options for them. Will they ultimately land one in the transfer portal? Only time will tell, but BYU's doing their work in that position because they know that the kicking position was a glaring glaring weakness in spring ball. Right now, if you were to ask me, uh, they line up against Sam Houston State tomorrow. Who's the kicker? It's uh, Dunn, Matthias Dunn, the walk-on from Wasatch High School, who I think would get the nod for BYU. Does that mean that when the lights come on, he doesn't automatically, uh, doesn't necessarily transform into like this superstar? Could he be an absolute gamer? Sure, but the problem is, him and the other kickers during spring camp for BYU left a ton to be desired out there. So uh, understand that BYU just kind of, I guess that, that might be indicative of how they're going about things. They're looking at all options when it comes to kicker. Uh, Kelly Papinga as the special teams coordinator obviously will have uh, his eyes and ears out for any and all options out there, but they're they're doing work, folks. So uh, I know that I had a couple of you reach out over the weekend saying, Jake, I'm seeing these guys commit elsewhere. Understand, like I said, there's a stiff competition out there. This is free agency. This is really, this is this is NFL free agency brought to the NIL level for BYU football. But the thing is, in the NFL, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. At the FBS level, there are 134 this year FBS programs. The Power 5, is it 67 or 66 uh, Power 5 programs now? It's double the size at minimum of uh, the NFL here, and it's it's crazy, folks. It is anybody's game when it comes to this. NIL money flies around, promises of all kinds of stuff flies around. Just trust that BYU hopefully will uh, land some good guys as things continue to progress, but they... Just let me reiterate, the BYU staff, they're not sitting on their hands. They're not saying, oh, well, well we, we offer our guys. If they don't pick us, we, we're not going to. No, they're, they're just continuing to scour things and continue to pay attention to social media because you'll continue to see guys pop up with names, et cetera, that are looking at their options when it comes to the transfer portal cycle. It's just it's, it's a crazy, crazy wild time. And trust me, if my head's spinning, I can guarantee you that the, the number of heads spinning in Provo are, are just uh, spinning, if not uh, as much, if not harder than mine is, and I'm sure you guys out there after today's podcast are probably going to be spinning as well, but uh, thank you for bearing with us. All right, coming up here in just a minute, uh, we'll finish out today's show. we got some other notes on other BYU sports from this past weekend. Uh, Learn something unique about uh, college softball that BYU will be involved in. I did not know this until yesterday uh, when the NCAA tournament field was set and BYU missed
missed out on that. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some news involving the Big 12 and the Pac-12, as well as another look back at another one of the 155 games in BYU's independent history as we roll on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, of course, a word on our friends over at uh, Perry Homes. They've been working with us for the past couple of months now and excited to have them back on board for the rest of the year. So big thank you to Perry Homes for trusting us and being a partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. The biggest thing I want to remind you guys about Perry Homes is they've got opportunities for you guys wherever you're looking for. Whether you're looking for, for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes can help you whatever circumstance you happen to be in. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been used as premier home builder with communities throughout the state, and they mean that sincerely. Dave Salt Lake, Tooele, Utah counties, as well as multiple communities down in Washington County near St. George. So the best part is they can find the right option for you. they got the communities, home designs, and the price points to help meet your needs. They also offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories, even townhomes if that's what you're looking for. They have quick moving homes they have available now if you're looking to make a move right away. And they also are offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's Perry Homes. HomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, and thank you for checking us out. If you have not done so already, please hit that follow button if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you guys are uh, one of our uh, listeners who's been listening to us on Apple Podcasts, etc., Please hit the uh, follow sub- slash subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, And most notably, especially on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating as well as a review. What you like about this show, what you'd like to see improved. Uh, my mom, I guess I should say this right now, I, I was hanging out with her over the weekend on, on uh, Mother's Day for some festivities down at her house. I said, Jake, the one thing I would like for your podcast is for you to smile more. So, Mom... This is for you. I'm going to try and smile more on the podcast. She asked me to do that. So when Mama Hatch wants something, I'm, I'm obviously going to do my best to do that. Uh, I have a little bit of a stone face, admittedly, when it comes to being on camera. But nonetheless, uh, big ups to my mom for even checking out the podcast. It was kind of funny to hear her say that. She's like, the one thing I want, I want you to smile more. So we'll see what we can do to, uh, to I guess, make it more congenial on the show. But all right, a couple more notes before we go on today's show is the BYU men's golf is beginning play in the NCAA regionals today. They're playing at the Morgan Hill Morgan Hill Regional, excuse me. And this is an interesting thing. I did not know about this, but they are playing at the Golf Institute. Uh, let's see, the, the, what's the name of the course here? It's called the Inclusive Golf uh, Institute Golf Club just south of San Jose in Morgan Hill, California. Uh, the way this course has been described, I, I did not know this at all before reading up on this. Dick Harmon did a really good write-up on this. It is called the Area 51 of private golf courses. Apparently, Fry's.com owner Jim Fry uh, built this course, and apparently it is almost 8,000 yards long if it's played from the absolute tips. It sounds like the NCAA regional is going to be played about 7,600 yards. So it will aid a bunch of BYU's golf uh, team who are really, really long hitters. Uh, the thing about this is crazy stuff. Is that, uh, According to what Dick Harmon wrote, uh, I think he said that uh, um, Todd Miller who grew up in the Bay Area, he's the son of Johnny Miller, who's the director of golf. He's never played this course. This is a guy who grew up in the area. Uh, his brother, Andy Miller, played it 10 years ago. Mike Weir has played it, and apparently uh, the Millers have a nephew who does play at Cal. They have never played it. And Cal is obviously right there in that neck of the woods. So this is a very, 
very exclusive course. And it actually, as they're saying, Dick Harmon wrote this, it'll actually put more of these teams on an even footing in terms of just the overall uh, knowledge of the course. Very few people uh, in the world have played this. So it's a big opportunity uh, for BYU to go out there. The uh, the regional play will continue throughout this week. Uh, we'll have a recap for you early next week if BYU does make the NCAA tournament field. We'll have more for you guys on that. Interesting stuff there. Now, other notes out there include BYU softball, women's softball. Uh, they did not make the NCAA tournament field after finishing second in the West Coast Conference. They were 11-4 and four in conference, but LMU took home the automatic berth by virtue of their West Coast Conference title. BYU in their final year in the WCC uh, does not win the, the, the title in the conference, which is something that BYU is not used to, but they miss out on the NCAA tournament field as a result, and they will play in the National Invitational Tournament, the NIT of women's uh, softball. They will take on San Jose State uh, later this week out there in Fort Collins, Colorado, but I, I did not know that there was an, like essentially an NIT uh, of women's softball. It's an eight-team uh, format, uh, so best of luck to BYU women's softball as they play in that, taking on the San Jose State Spartans. Uh, best of luck to Gordon Eakin and his crew on that one. Now, a couple other notes before we go on today's show include that uh, Breck McMurphy uh, put this out. I would missed this over the weekend. Actually, it came out. No, this is uh, from just uh, earlier uh, during the weekend. Excuse me. One change in bowl pairings this week, uh, this year, is with BYU joining the Big Twelve. The Independence Bowl, which is contracted to select BYU potentially in 2023, is going to become a Big Twelve bowl. That will give the Big Twelve seven guaranteed bowls in addition to any college football playoff or New Year's Six bids it earns. Uh, the Independence Bowl hits the Big Twelve versus the Pac-12 down there in Shreveport, Louisiana. I can tell you this much: BYU would rather never go back to Independence, uh, based on the conversations of all. Parties I've heard from on that, but nonetheless, uh, BYU bringing a bowl game with them to the Big 12. Uh, the way it kind of lays out is that there will be the New Year's Six uh, opportunity for the Big 12, the Alamo Bowl, Cheez It Bowl, Texas Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Independence Bowl, as well as one of the one of either the Armed Forces or First Responder Bowls are the kind of the the layout of the bowl games for the Big 12. Should they have enough teams qualified? So that's kind of what you kind of look at. If BYU is six and six, I'd be looking at uh, maybe at the highest the Liberty Bowl. Guaranteed rate independence or that armed forces slash first responder bowl for the BYU Cougars. But uh, the nice part is the caliber of bowls in the Big 12 is infinitely better than what BYU faced when they were uh, looking at it as an independent football program. And that's the one thing about this is that I enjoy is the fact that BYU will have more options bowl-wise as a member of the Big 12 than they ever had as an independent football program. And the nice part is you, there's not necessarily you win six games, you know exactly where you're going. There's still some intrigue as well with regards to how bowl uh, season is going to play out here for BYU. Alright, final note before we go on today's show is another look back at another game in BYU football history. We've been going through all 155 games uh, of BYU's independent era, and apologies that we have kind of been uh, few and far between over the past couple of weeks on this, but I wanted to get back to it, and uh, today's uh, game was one that was just absolutely wild. Many of you might recall in 2016, BYU was 1-3, coming in on a Friday night, if I recall correctly, against the Toledo Rockets. Now, the Toledo Rockets coming into this game were a high-flying offense, and I was concerned. I remember covering this game in person. I'm like, how in the world is BYU going to keep up with this Toledo team? Uh, the Rockets were 3-0. and As I mentioned, BYU was 1-3 and to start the year. Just didn't seem like a lot was going uh, for BYU as they kind of uh, tried to pick up some momentum going into this game. Well, 
Enter Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams maybe had his finest game in a BYU uniform in this game. He ran 30 times for 286 yards and five touchdowns. He was just an absolute man amongst boys. You might recall Kareem Hunt, who is now in the NFL as well. Jamal, obviously, with the New Orleans uh, Saints. Uh, Hunt uh, it was with the Cleveland Browns. He had 27 carries for 146 yards and one touchdown. Logan Woodside, the quarterback uh, for Toledo, was just absolutely outside of his mind. He was 30 of 38 for 505 yards, five Five touchdowns and two interceptions. Taysom Hill, 248 yards and one touchdown passing. The the stats in this game were absolutely nuts. And as you would predict, it was a high-flying game. If you, if you recall, BYU ended up winning 55-53. to Absolute just insanity unfolded. But BYU rode uh, Jamal Williams to this win. He averaged 9.5 yards per carry. I cannot uh, believe that uh, this game is not more highly thought of in terms of one of the great games in BYU football history. Uh, many of you might recall that the, the touchdown throw that uh, Taysom Hill had was a 75-yard pass to Jonah Trineman. Uh He scored it one reception, 75 yards, but it was just a crazy crazy game for BYU, but the nice part was they prevailed in that game. It was it went down to the wire. There were 35 points scored in the fourth quarter alone after there were 31 points scored in the third quarter. It was just it was an insane, insane game. It was 21-14 after the first quarter. Uh, any of you who remember this game will just remember vividly. I just remember seeing number 21, Jamal Williams, just working his way uh, all over the field and just making it look easy, it felt like, in, in some ways, for BYU. But they needed every single thing that he could do for them as they won this game, 55-53. to, to 53. But it got BYU season reignited because, as I mentioned, they were 1-3 in this game. They had come off three very difficult losses to Power 5 opponents. And as I mentioned, my thought going into this game was, how in the world is BYU going to keep up with the Toledo Rockets? Well, you just take number 21, Jay Swag Daddy himself, and say, hey, Jamal, mount up. We're, gonna, we're, we're, we're riding you into the ground in this one. But it was a big win for BYU as they would uh, now travel back out, back east to Michigan State for a huge showdown against the Michigan State Spartans. And we'll talk about that game on tomorrow's show. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Cougars. A big thank you once again for making us your first listen. Thank you for being everydayers to all all of you out there who are our regulars here on the podcast, cannot thank you guys enough for your support. A reminder one more time that tomorrow will be the only quote-unquote live uh, reaction uh, podcast. The rest of the week will be pre-recorded stuff. So anything I do miss uh, throughout the, I guess, back half of this week, we'll get recapped for you guys early on next week. But nonetheless, thank you for your support as always and hope you guys are all doing well out there wherever you are in Cougar Nation. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.